episode 42. This episode brought to you by reelsandtackle.com, your family-owned online tackle store. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. Okay, welcome to the show. Our guest today is FLW Tour Pro, Cody Kelly. Cody, welcome aboard. Hey, appreciate you having me. So we were just talking a little bit uh, before the interview here, and I understand that you are actually driving and sort of headed in my direction towards Florida for the uh, first uh, tour event of the year. I am. I am, and happy to be headed that way. Uh, you know, we had, uh, what do they call it? Ever, they name all the storms now, Winter Storm Inga, I think, and it's been below, below freezing for several days, so I'm looking forward to getting down to Florida. Ooh, yeah. So, and, and you're coming from Arkansas, correct? Yep, yep, central Arkansas, just north of Little Rock. Yeah, I know that's big bass country up there as well. Um, are you are you originally from Arkansas? Yep, yep. I'm uh, born and raised. I, I feel like you know the last few years of the tour, I've I've lived elsewhere, <laughs> right. back home. But uh, yeah, but yeah, born and raised there. Kind of cut my teeth fishing around there. Okay, yeah. So just tell us a little bit about uh, you know growing up fishing there, and you know how you got into fishing. Was it a family deal? You know, it, dad and everybody went, or did you pick it up on your own? You know, how did that come to be? You know, it's it's really a funny story because I and I get that question a lot, and I tell people they say, you know, well, you, you hunt a lot, you fish a lot, you know, is that your family thing? I said, you know, it, it's really not. Uh, I don't really know where I started fishing. I know my grandparents had some ponds, and so they would take me out there, you know, just catching brim and little bass and stuff. And I was always watching, you know, Hank Parker and Bill Dance and all those guys. Oh, and, yeah. and started we Lake Conway. Anybody who's ever been on I forty has seen Lake Conway. Um, and they, cause if people ask me about it, stump field, lily pads, you know, just kind of a bath heaven. Well, mm -hmm. I'd walk down there and fish after school and my grandpa, he didn't know anything about fishing or hunting, but he would take me at least, you know, so I'd have the opportunity. And over the years, I, you know, it, it started enjoying it and some neighbors, uh, actually had, I don't know if you remember the old hardback in fisherman books you used to get yeah. um, when you were a member. Mm -hmm. Well, he had a whole stack of them. I mean, this, and I'm not exaggerating. The stack was probably three foot tall <laughs> of all these different books. And, you know, this is before, um, I, I'm not, I'm 28, so not old, but there, this was before YouTube and a lot of the, uh, you know, information that was out there like that, like it is now. And right. so I just started going through these books and that's kind of how I would pick up, you know, I'd read one story about soft plastics and one story about frogs. And then, you know, oh, I got to go to Walmart or I got to go, you know, <laughs> right. to uh, Academy or wherever and pick this lure up and try it and would run down to the lake after school and try it. And it just kind of developed. Um, and in high school, my grandfather actually found a deal on it. It was a 19, I want to say 86 uh, Bass Tracker. It actually looked exactly like the new one that just came out, the uh, anniversary edition. Oh, really? Um, and cool. like I said, he was, yeah, it was really cool. I actually want to get one of the new ones just uh, for the nostalgia of it. But mm -hmm. uh, So he bought that and didn't know anything about fishing. But once again, he would take me. So he'd take me out to the lake and drive me around in it so I could get up and run the trolling motor and, and everything. And, when I got further along in high school, you know, I got my, my driver's license, a little S10. So I started, you know, I was, I was mobile then. I was big time. Started going around fishing a little bit and started fishing. Uh, my first tournaments actually in college was uh, how I got started there. A little fishing team. It was Arkansas Tech up in Russellville, Arkansas, which a lot of people that are fishermen know the lakes, not the city. So it'd be Lake Dardanelles, Russellville, et cetera. Okay. Up there by. Yeah, I've heard of that. 
Yeah, yeah. The elites have gone there a few times. The tour's gone there. There's been several Costa series. It's a really, really, probably one of the best fisheries in Arkansas. Mm, okay. um, and we, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time there in college and, and finished up my degree. And, you know, when I got out, I started started really hammering down. I had to make a decision to fish or get a real job. And uh, <laughs> I, I said, I'm going to pursue, pursue fishing for a year. And I was working for a landscape company at the time that gave me the, you know, the time off work for me to, to chase it. And We've been uh, riding it ever since. I had a good first year, and and now I'm driving back down to Florida on my fourth year. Wow how how was it making that transition? How, was it was it pretty hard to keep everything in balance? Yeah, you know, it, it's it, first off, I'm sure you've heard this several times. It, it's just it's the fishing industry is a, an amazing industry to be in, but it's not what people think it is. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's a lot smaller than people think. Um, and so when I got out of college, you know, I went to school for environmental biology. Um, I always liked, you know, liked outdoors and that's what I wanted to do. Well, mm-hmm. when I got out, I, I had been fishing some of the, uh, larger tournaments, you know, the Costa series. I've been fishing them as a co-angler and fishing the BFLs as a, as a pro or a boater. And, um, I said, you know, I, I think I've been making a little bit of money, you know, emphasize a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got out and I was like, you know, I, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I can. So I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it one year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I'm going to give myself a year to do it. If not, I'll get a real job. So I said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, Cause I'd made a little bit of money and every time I would make money, I just put it back into account. So spending it and just kind of reinvest it in myself right. and, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to fish the uh, coasts. I think there's a ray of X. I'm going to fish the coasts as a pro, and then I'm going to I'm going to go fish the tour as a co-angler. And it, it, you know, Lord willing, I'll make enough money to make a run at it. If I don't, I don't. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that year, I mean, I was just it, 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 extremely blessed to be honest with you. I, I made I think three top twenty cuts on the tour. I won an event, and then I I, made, I cut checks in two. Uh, had like a, a 12th place finish on Grand. Anyway. I, I was able to make enough money to fund my first year on the pro tour, um, as a professional. Mm-hmm. And it, and that was, that was really the only reason, you know, there's all different avenues to get to it. But for me, that was my avenue was I had to win enough money to be able to fund my first year because getting sponsorships as a rookie is, is nearly impossible, mm-hmm. you know, sponsorships that amount to anything. And so, right. uh, it just, it just all worked out and we've been kind of riding that momentum ever since. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the other things you do with some of the other organizations you work with. I know the Special Olympics is is a really big uh, deal for you, right? Yeah, we work at uh, Special Olympics Arkansas, and kind of how that got started, it's kind of a good segue from what we were talking about, you know, that first year with sponsorships. We were looking at it, and I said, you know, it, nothing, you know, and I had a few local people that had always helped me out that, that were getting, you know, getting on the boat and things, and but we weren't running a wrap. I had actually traded in a, a Toyota Tacoma for a 2008, so an older, or no, a 2004 Ford F-150, just for the fact that it had a larger bed that I could sleep in oh, um, okay. and could make a little money. And yeah. that was another way that I kind of funded first year. So anyway, we didn't have the sponsorship going, and I'm looking, and I'm like, man, you know, we have this 21-foot boat here that we're fixing to pull all over the country. Um, I, I just hate to waste that. And so we started thinking, you know, uh, what can we do to give back? I always, always try to try to uh, help out wherever I can. And my mom actually had uh, a relationship with the marketing director of Special Olympics Arkansas. And we contacted them, you know, and met with them and say, look, we'd like to donate this space and help, you know, just raise awareness and, 
And so it's just gone from there. And I tell you, you know, working with, with the athletes, um, it, it has honestly been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. And it's something we're still doing today. You know, we go to the summer games, hang out with the athletes and it's, it's, uh, it's motiv- it's motivating to me, uh, for sure to, to be able to work with them and just, you know, just be around that, um, persistence and outlook on life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, have they incorporated fishing into the Special Olympics, or, or do you help out with events in general? You know, all kinds of stuff. As a national, you know, I can't speak for the national side of it because who I work with is actually just in Arkansas there. Mm-hmm. Um, but every every state's a little different. It hasn't become like a sanctioned event to where they're going to go to nationals with with fishing. Um, but there are some, some states to do it. Now we do, I also work with the FLW foundation and we put on fishing derbies at all the, it started the first year at just the tour stops. We would put on, um, at what we call a unified fishing derby. And that's where, you know, any, anybody with intellectual disabilities or any of the local youth can come to fish together. Cause you know, fishing is such a, a I'd say universal language, but it is anybody yeah. can enjoy it. You know, you literally don't have to speak the same language to enjoy it together. And and so when we would have a tour stop, we would put one of these on as kind of a community outreach event. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, it's just exploded. We started three years ago with six events. And this year we're looking at having over 25 events, including the Costa series. Also all over the nation. Um, we're actually getting that, getting that going. We have ambassadors all over and it's just, it's just exploded. And people are always asking when's the next one and mm-hmm. when are you coming back next year? And so that's, uh, it, it's, it's really important to me. You know, I was lucky enough to have somebody, take me fishing when I was younger, even though they didn't know anything about it. And, and so many kids don't have that. Um, at every event we've had, every event we've had a child either catch their largest fish or their first fish. And that's just something you can't, you know, you can't beat that at all. Right. Yeah. You know, and you, you talked about the importance of having somebody to take you fishing. It was, it was your grandfather, right? Who got the boat and took you out? Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I say it wasn't him solely. My dad would take me some, uh, mm-hmm. he knew how to fish, but as far as like, you know, having somebody in a boat, teach me how to competitively fish. And my mom actually took me, took me, uh, quite a bit, you know, um, I, she took me to, I think it was Cub Scout camp and, you know, learned how to catfish, but primarily, you know, my grandfather, uh, spent a lot of time picking me up from school and taking me and, and drowning worms in the local, uh, slough. <laughs> by Lake Conway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so amazing to have a, an adult figure like that that will take the time to meet you where your interests are when you're young like that. Yeah, it, it's been it's been real rewarding, you know, just being able to, even if it, it, we just reach, you know, they're not all going to be professional bass fishermen, but, you know, if it just helps establish that love for the outdoors, you know, it's all worth it. Oh, absolutely. And it's memories that they'll never forget. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's times you spent with your grandfather out there fishing that you'll cherish always. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. Well, when we get back, Cody is going to share an epic, I take it it's going to be a freshwater story with us. So hang in there Yeah. and we'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to say a quick thanks to all of our listeners out there. If you enjoy the show, Please take a moment to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. It really helps us to spread the word so we can keep bringing you the most epic fishing adventures in the world. Okay, we are back with Cody Kelly and uh, have been talking about some of the uh, awesome stuff he does on the tour to give back. Now we want to transition in and have him tell us if he's able to single it uh, down to just a single story. <laughs> I know it may be really hard for you, but, uh, you know, is there a story that really jumps out at you when you think back over all that awesome fishing you've done? 
You know, and I was actually thinking about it last night. I was like, man, I don't know, because there's so many, you know, you go with a number story or a big fish story or uh, or what. And, and you know, I, I really I narrowed it down to it is neither. But one of the, I guess, most influential um, trips was was when I was I was still fishing the, the Ray of X series. I was in, in college still, still kind of, you know, working my way up. And I uh, went out to Kentucky Lake. First time I'd ever been there, and anybody who's ever even heard of bass fishing has heard of Kentucky oh, Lake. Yeah. You know, it's synonymous with with bass fishing, and and what you hear is true. It, it it really is. You know, it's absolutely an amazing place that you have to go if you're a if you're a bass fisherman at all. And so we're going out there. Never been there, but of course I have it played up in my mind of how awesome it's going to be. And uh, so we get out there. I was still fishing coing, you know. So I, I'm riding in the back of the boat. I'm learning still and. I drew out with a guy named Michael Woolley. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a he's also an FLW tour guy. Okay. Um, he wasn't fishing the tour yet, um, but you may if you've heard his name, you've heard it from. He won an event on uh, I want to say Pickwick or Chickamauga um, a couple years back. Won a tour event. Okay. Uh, super nice guy. But I drew out with him, uh, so which means I, I was his partner for the second day of competition, and we went um, down south somewhere. I don't even remember where we were, but. The reason it was influential for me is in Arkansas, I, I was a river rat. I grew up in, in shallow, muddy water, mm. throwing spinnerbaits. But, you know, we had depth finders, but didn't really need a fish don't school up out there, yeah. or at least where I was fishing. They don't get any schools. And, and we start idling and idling. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> looking at a screen, yeah. you know, what in the world? And, and so finally we come up on this spot and uh, he goes, there they are. You know, and I can see him. You know, he let me sit beside him and look at his grass and at, at looking for the fish themselves. And so we turn, he progresses to turn the boat around to fish the school, which is completely, uh, you know, understandable. Sorry for the delay. Somebody just passed me on the road with a huge buck on the back of their truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, That'll catch you, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, anyway, so he, he spins the boat around on this point, fires out a crankbait, which is another thing. Everybody talks about Kentucky Lake crankbait fishing. And he begins to hook bass at a rate so fast that I get one cast out of the back of the boat and he starts calling for the net, <laughs> calls for the net. I go back, go to pick my rod back up net. After about the third one, he's like, why don't you just stand here for a second? <laughs> so I'm just standing there with the net as he's firing this, this crankbait up on the point. And mind you, my Carolina rig is still hanging off the back of the boat right. back here from my one cast a few minutes ago. Um, so he catches his limit real quick and, Throws a live well, and, I, and I'm just blown away. I've never seen somebody catch fish at this rate. Um, so I go back there, and there in this limit, he has a limit now. Let's call 12 pounds, just an average Kentucky Lake limit. Mm-hmm. I go to back to the back deck, you know, and I'm just I'm still blown away. You know, probably breaking a little bit of a sweat at this point from netting these fish, yeah. <laughs> and uh, pick my rod up, and I drag it maybe six inches, and I mean, boom, something about takes the rod out of my hands. I set the hook, start calling for the net, you know, which was a good feeling after you just watch this guy body snatch these yeah. fish for the last five minutes. And uh, up comes a, like a five and a half or six pounder. Oh, man. Can't believe it. You know, it's first, first cast on this spot. So he comes back there and nets it for me. And we move around. And so throughout the day, you know, I just, it, the reason it was so influential for me is just getting to see how those fish stacked up. And it just open, opens your mind to, to how fish relate to that current and as a large school um, because it happens places all over the country, you know, and everywhere we went, when he would get these schools fired up, he was, it was just as fast as you could keep up. You know, he had a, a certain little worm he likes to throw and he would 
catch a fish on it and throw it in the floor. And I, I, Hey man, you're going to use that. He's like, what are you talking about? So I was down there trying to super glue these worms together and biting pieces <laughs> off and trying to put them on my hook. I didn't know what was going on, but I was having a ball. We were catching fish and, uh, that was actually one of the tournaments that slowly catapulted. That was uh, finished third in that event, actually made the cut, wow. made, uh, I think $4,000, which was, you know, at that time, that was enough to pay my, uh, Ray of Act, my pro entry fees for the next, next year. Um, and my, and Michael, well, he's just such a nice guy. He just explained everything to me that was going on. And, and, uh, you know, Kentucky Lake, it's almost like Florida fishing down there. You know, it can take a lot to figure out yeah. and just being able to be, you know, have an insight to that expertise and just see someone catch fish at that rate was insane and we both just caught them and caught them and caught them to the point to by the end of the day and the morning of the third day i was putting electrical tape on the palms of my hands to tape them up because they hurt so bad from handling so many fish <laughs> oh, it was that man. bad i mean you see pictures of bass thumb but they were literally to the point to where we were taping uh taping our hands up because it hurt so bad yeah i've heard of bass thumb i've never heard of bass hand that's uh <laughs> pretty cool oh it was yeah, you, that's how you know you've been catching good ones. When the when the uh, roughness goes from mid thumb, you know it transfers from there. When you have roughness around the the heel of your thumb, down on your palm, that's how you know you've been catching big ones. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Now, was was this a small and largemouth bass that were schooled up, or or just one of the no, other? No, no. Now, every once in a while, uh, you'll catch a big smallmouth on Kentucky Lake in the schools. We didn't that day. They're all largemouth. All They're large all largemouth. Oh, and wow. these schools. It, it, it's it's been you know it's been affected a little differently there's some asian carp and i don't want to get into all that it, it's changed a lot there but these schools when they first get out there in late may early june they get out there from spawn and they're trying to recover and to be honest they're a little bit stupid they hadn't been pressured yet and when you find those schools they're massive they'll be wow. you'll start scanning them and they'll be i found some that are 75 yards long and there's hundreds of bass there and when you get them fired up, you can, like the stuff you've seen on TV, anything you throw out there, just about, they'll bite. A lot of times, it never makes it to the bottom. <laughs> so you throw out there, and your bait's going down, and your line just jumps. Yeah. And so it's just a hook-setting contest. And it's it's the most incredible time. Um, it doesn't happen every time you go to Kentucky Lake, but if you ever experience that, it's one of the most incredible things uh ever when it comes to bass fishing now is that unique to that lake or that region i mean have you found that same kind of a deal elsewhere to that extent i mean because i've i've got school and bass here in florida a lot but it's usually smaller ones you know usually you don't get into big ones all schooled up like that in big numbers yeah um it's a it's kind of a tva thing so you'll see it happen on all the way up and down the tva um kentucky lake pickwick chickamauga uh, Gunnersville, you know, it's just, but really it's the way the lake lay, lays out. You get the, the ledges everybody hears about. And so it just gives the fish something to sit on with the current, but no, you'll find that all over. It's actually funny. You, you asked that because after, after seeing how he approached it and how the fish were sitting up, I, I grew up on the Arkansas river. Like I mentioned, well, I went back there and I had, had all the equipment to do it, but I never messed with it. Cause you know, I was proficient catching fish up shallow. It worked for me. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm just going to graph around out here and look. Well, I found some real shallow uh, shell beds. Now, I wasn't seeing fish like they do on Kentucky Lake because it was shallow. Mm -hmm. But that summer was the the best summer that I've ever had on the Arkansas River. I found a shell bed off the main river out deeper than anybody was fishing. And for about three weeks, 
you could go out there and in this bed, shell bed's only in about five foot of water, three to five foot. Um, but you could go out there and you could catch them on a top water. You could catch them on a crankbait, a kale, anything you wanted to throw, you would catch them. And that was the best, uh, just fish after fish after fish for hours. Um, and wouldn't you know it, I couldn't find a single tournament within, you know, 30 minute boat ride of that place <laughs> to, to go take advantage of it. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was an incredible, uh, experience just to get to bring that over. So you will find it, you'll find it on like Douglas Lake, you know, they're big spotted bass, uh, Different different places you'll find them at way out on points, but Kentucky Lake, when it comes to offshore ledge fishing, is definitely um, where you'll find the most of it. That's the place, huh? That's it. That's it. And it's all you know. When I'm saying schooling fish, too, um, I'm talking. You know, they're on the bottom. They're not up schooling on bait. They're on the bottom. You're graphing them. Um, they're sitting down there in the current, just being lazy, waiting on a big old gizzard chat, or or you know, hopefully my jig to come down to. <laughs> yeah. Right. That day really made a, a big difference in in the way you fish going forward, right? I mean, that was kind of a transition point for you then. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, and I guess I should have completed that. You know, what what I was getting at is what I found is it's a, it's a mindset. You know, if you want to fish competitively, because fish, like you mentioned down in Florida, they will school up, mm-hmm. um, and so the mindset behind it is instead of, you know, just fishing something because, oh, that point looks, and we all do it. I still find myself doing it, fishing something because, oh, it looks good. We've all done that. Oh, yeah. And it, that mindset is even if you're not using your graphs and your electronics and equipment to find the fish, use them to find the bait, use them to, you know, fishing high priority areas. And, and it just, it was like a, a switch went off to, Hey, you know, this is a big lake, but the, the saying, what is it, 90% of the fish are in 10% of the lake, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just clicked for me, you know, is, hey, you can, this stuff is so good now, let's go look for schools of fish. Let's go look for actual fish, creeks with all the bait in them, to fish these high probability areas. Right, yeah. How cool was that? It just, you know, it was like turning the light bulb on, you know, when you when you saw it happen like that. For tournament formats, you know, a lot of times if you're a weekend guy, you might not have any practice. Uh, yeah. if, if you're, or, you know, it may have been a week before for us, we get three days, which sounds like a lot, but if you're on a, you know, if, you, if you're on like Lewis Smith or, you know, you're somewhere that's a huge lake, three days is not that much. Right. So it's so important to be in those high probability areas, you know, to where if, if that's something to where you, uh, you know, you can find a creek with bait, you can literally graph fish. Uh, it just makes such a huge difference. Awesome. Well, Cody, man, I just can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing those awesome stories for us. And we're going to be watching you here over the next several months and uh, uh, look forward to hearing some good things about these uh, upcoming tournaments. Yeah, man, I sure appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Take care. You too. Oh, man, if that wasn't awesome enough, coming soon, we're going to drop a special bonus episode where Cody is going to tell us about the day he caught his personal best largemouth bass. Just follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Telltale Fisherman for all the details. This has been the Telltale Fisherman podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.